0: Welcome to Faith Church Podcast, where we are a safe place to find and follow Jesus. We're so glad you're here, and wherever you're listening from, we believe God will impact your life through today's message. Uh, Man, back in the Sermon on the Mount, before we kind of broke up a little bit, I want to just remind us of something. Does anybody know what next week is? Well, it felt like more ladies said that than gentlemen. So that is your one-week reminder. So those of you uh, who are wondering, uh, those of you who don't have the notifications set up on your calendar and your phone, next week is Mother's Day. So next week, we'll be taking the Sunday to honor our moms. Yay, okay, let's go. We love our moms. That's uh, so that'll be next week. This week, I'm kidding. <laughs> this week, now jumping into the Sermon of the Mount, I wanna just share a couple of things. We've been traveling through this portion of Scripture and how important this portion of scripture is for us today. And, and some of it's because of really just the practical truth that Jesus is teaching, All right? There are principles in this portion of scripture that if we can capture the principles, it will help you in your quest to find and follow Jesus, All right? There are, there are things like sometimes we just talk about finding and following Jesus. Um, but there are practical truths, there are practical, practical, Principles, too many P's, uh, practical principles that help us in our quest to find and follow Jesus. And in the Sermon on the Mount, there's so many incredible principles for us to learn, for us to embrace, for us to understand, right? And so, uh, this is, this is not like any other. This is where this is going to be a a great day today. So we're going to walk through a handful of principles, one specific principle. But over these next few weeks, uh, man, I want to encourage you to take notes. I encourage you to take notes and not just take notes of the things that that I share on a Sunday morning, right? I want you to take notes uh, about the things that the Lord speaks to your heart. I think that's super important, right? Uh, incredibly important for you to be willing to, during a message, during a service, to not just hear uh, my voice, but to also take a moment to uh, hear the voice of God because I do believe that God can and will speak to you uh, in the midst of a service, in the midst of a, of a message, even in worship, it's kind of like with worship, right? I'm sure our worship team would tell you that don't just sing the so- the words on the screen as if they're a song to follow along with, but sing those words from your heart to recognize that this worship, these songs, are an opportunity for us to connect with God, the Almighty, to worship Him, to praise Him, to connect with Him, not just to sing a song for a few minutes in a service, right? And so I want to encourage you today in this message um, to, to do the same thing. Be willing to, on the back of your uh, bulletin, there are, um, so, you know, a spot for you to take some notes. I encourage you to take some notes here this morning. Let me pray for you as we jump into this, uh, and I'm going to give you a statement, right? Let's pray. Father, today we thank you for your goodness, for your grace, for your presence in our lives. We thank you that as we walk through life, we are not alone that you are with us, and Lord, we are incredibly grateful and thankful to you for that. And so, Lord, I pray that today you will be with us, that you will speak to us, that we will hear your voice, that we will recognize your presence, that we will know you more today than we did yesterday. God, we love you, and we need you, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen, amen. I want to give you a phrase that I want you to kind of capture. I'll say this phrase a couple times today, but as we walk through again the Sermon on the Mount, we're in Matthew chapter five. Uh, as we walk through the Sermon on the Mount, uh, here's, here's, here's the phrase I want you to understand. And it's, and it's a, it's a truth. And this is it. An encounter with God will change you from the inside out. An encounter with God will change you from the inside out. Now, this is an important uh, understanding. It's an important principle. It's an important, uh, you know, just to, to recognize that that when God moves in our hearts, he starts on the inside. That encounter with God starts on the inside. So before we jump into these, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the old covenant and the new covenant and the law and what all that meant a little bit. And I talked about how God raised The stand to raise the bar on us a little bit and he talked through some things. We're going to begin walking through some of those today, but I want you to to realize that we have this benefit of hindsight. So go back context. You know, when Jesus is on the side of the mountain, he's on the side of the hill and he's teaching this. This is new. This is revolutionary. This is countercultural as he's teaching all through Matthew chapter five, six and seven, as he's teaching the sermon, as he's preaching the sermon, teaching uh, these principles. This is, in many ways, extremely countercultural for the people in that time, in that season. They're, they're probably wrestling with questions. I can imagine there are so many questions that people are asking as he's teaching. Now, we today, in 2023, had this incredible benefit of hindsight that we get to look back that not only do we get to hear and read his teaching uh, on the Mount, but we also get to understand what took place in the Later on in the life of Jesus, we get to understand what took place uh, when he gave his heart, life uh, on the cross and rose again three days. We understand the New Testament and the and the teachings and the churches. We, we have this incredible benefit of hindsight to be able to look back. And I want you to know, I am so thankful for that today, that we can look back and be able to, to understand and comprehend the principles of the kingdom in real time. So many of the people that would be sitting there in the crowd would have a, probably have a hard time understanding the principles that he was teaching in real time, right? Because he's just he's just throwing these statements, and he's teaching, and it's so counterculture. It's so different from the, what they're used to. There's so many questions, but over time, and you're going to see this throughout the Gospels, throughout the New Testament, how these principles are explained. Now again, we're lucky today. We get to look back and capture a couple of things, but I want you to understand a premise of the gospel. Right, there's a couple things that you just have to, to lock in. These would be true for any message, any sermon, any church service, any decision. There's a, there a truth uh, of Jesus. There's a principle, a premise of the gospel that I think we just have to capture. You have to embrace this. You have to understand it because it puts in context everything that Jesus teaches. So I want to share a couple of verses with you today, and again, just Context, these are things, these are truths that you have to lock into your heart. Okay? Are you ready for these? Uh let's open our Bibles up to the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10. <clears throat> John chapter 10, verse 10. This is one of those memory verses that a lot of people will memorize. John 10:10. 10, 10. What does John 10:10 10, 10 tell us? John 10:10 10, 10 tells us that the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus says, my purpose is to give them, a, give them a rich and satisfying life. In fact, we did a whole sermon series on this verse last year. We talked through the abundant life, right? And we, had a whole, we did a whole series on the abundant life of what this verse meant. But here's what I, You have to capture this. And the reality of the gospel is that Jesus came to this earth, died on the cross, rose again three days later, overcoming uh, sin, hell, death, the grave, and all that that means for us theologically. But he did that. Why? He did it, yes, because he loves us. Correct. He did it because he loves us. He did it because he wants relationship with us. But one of the outcomes of that is that Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life, an abundant life. Like, you have to lock this in. So often, people think, you know, to live in despair is the norm. And it's not. You know, sometimes, especially in the world we live in today, we, we, we capture these, these, like, to live in anxiety should not be the norm. Jesus came to give us a rich and satisfying life, not a disappointed one. If we walk through life constantly disappointed, then something's missing. Because the principle of the gospel is that the enemy's job, his purpose, is to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came to give life, an abundant life, a rich and satisfying life. Like, we have to capture that. Now, I want to be careful in how we define that, so I will break that down a little bit later on. Uh, but we just you have to realize, just stay with me here today for this moment, that Jesus came to give you a life that is satisfying. Right? Lock that into your hearts. That that is a byproduct of the gospel. Right? So let, let's, let me give you another one, give you another one. This again, we use this verse all the time, right? It's Galatians chapter 5. <laughs> you guys are like, oh my goodness, does he use these verses all the time? Yes, I do, and here's why. Because it paints a picture that I think not only we here at Faith, not only us sitting in this room uh, in the sanctuary at 1320 East Strub Road in Sandusky, Ohio, but even those watching online, I believe not only the people that are part of Faith that call Faith home, but I believe this community. This area, the Firelands area, I think this is something that we need to grasp. We need to understand. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 to 23. It says this is is what they call the fruit of the Spirit. And here's why this is important. is because when we surrender our hearts to Jesus, right, when we finally decide, make the decision to follow Jesus with our life, which is to say, you know, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, become Lord and Savior of my life. Like, I just, I need you, Jesus. Right? I need you in my life. There's a missing component to to my life, and I need you. The, The term that the church often uses for this is salvation, or to be saved, right? That's the term that we use, which basically just, um, you know, the, the illustration is we are saved from the old life and brought into this rich and satisfying life, right, that Jesus came to give. But the, the concept, the understanding is, is very simple. It's just the reality of I've just decided that, that I'm going to make Jesus my Lord and Savior, that I'm going to live my life with him and for him, that I'm just going to continue to find and follow Jesus with all of my life. It's a simple decision It says, from, from this point forward, I am going to find and follow Jesus in my life. That's, that's, that's what it is. And so when that happens, when that decision is made, when we finally come to the, to the end of our rope or to finally get to that spot in our own lives where we say, you know what? I, oh, I can't do this anymore. And we surrender our life to Jesus. What happens in that moment is the Holy Spirit takes residence in our life. Right? What happens is when we, when we accept and we, uh, accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior, what happens is God makes his home in our hearts. Right? And so, so let me just, now understanding that, let's read Galatians chapter five. Okay. Galatians chapter five, verse 22 to 23, uh, says this, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Right? So when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, This is the fruit of finding and following Jesus in every area of our life, right? This is the fruit of that. It is this. It is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Now, here's what I want you to do this morning. I want you to close your eyes. Now, I want everybody to do it, right? So this is, you know, I know in church services, people say, close your eyes. And there's always like 10 to 15% of people that are like, one eye open. <laughs> there's another 5 to 6% are both eyes open. They're like, nope, I disobey, right? Uh, you know, I'm not going to have anybody raise their hand, so you don't have to look around and be like, who's raising their hand? You know what I mean? Like, I literally, I want you to close your eyes for a minute, And I want you to listen to these words. And when I read these words, here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about those words in your life. Okay? So close your eyes. Close your eyes with me, right? Everybody take a deep breath. Now listen to these words. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. There is no law against these things, right? All right, open your eyes. Think about those. Can, Can I just, as a pastor today, can I just say, that Jesus came to give life, life. He came to give you life, and the New Living Translation says, a rich and satisfying life. The result of the Holy Spirit living in our lives produces things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Can, can I tell you that this is the life that God wants us to live, right? So here, here's what I want, this, this is an umbrella understanding that as we walk through life, that we understand that the gospel, that God cares not only about heaven, but he cares about this life too, He cares about this life right here, right now. Does he care about heaven? Absolutely. Does he care about eternity? Absolutely. But he doesn't just wait, hey, when you get there, right? We can, in many ways, experience the principles of the kingdom in this life right here, okay? So capture that, memorize those, write those verses down. John ten ten, Galatians five twenty two through twenty three. Read those over and over and over and over again, and remind yourself that God loves you. Remind yourself that God cares about you, that He cares about your life, and that you're not alone. He hasn't left you to figure it out on your own, right? Like this is the principle. We just need to capture and understand why. Because when we walk into these scriptures soon, right, God has raised the bar, but it's okay. Okay? It's okay. I want you to picture something for me. I want you to picture John 10.10 and Galatians 5.22-23 being realized in every area of your life. Picture that for a second. Picture in your relationships. Picture that in, in your workplace. Picture that with your family. Picture that in your decisions. I mean, picture that for a second. That is a pleasant picture, right? Like, I'm not an artist, but if I was painting that picture, that would be like, yes. Yes, I think that would be angelic, right? That would be, that would be, that'd be an amazing picture. Picture that in your life. Here's here's what I want you to understand today before we jump into Matthew chapter five is is that at the end of the day, God wants you to know Him the way that He knows you. All right? I'm getting somewhere. Give me some time. God wants you to know him the way that he knows you. Secondly, God wants you to love him the way that he loves you. God wants you to know him the way that he knows you. God wants you to love him the way that he loves you. And an encounter with God will change you from the inside out. An encounter with God will change you from the inside out. Now, this matters. This matters significantly today. I feel like I should have a stool today. I feel like uh, I feel like I should have sat on a stool today because it's this kind of a message, right? <clears throat> An encounter with God will change you from the inside out. The, the problem that we have with, with all of this, when we look at Galatians chapter 5, John 10.10, 10, the problem that we have, it just as humans, like if we're just being real here for a second, if we were to sit down at a table and talk through our struggle with that, our humanly struggle with that is the same struggle that Samuel has in 1 Samuel chapter 16 when he is off going to anoint David as king, right? So in the Old Testament, when Samuel, God tells Samuel to go to Jesse's house and God will reveal to him who he's going to anoint king and he gets there and Samuel does the same thing that we do today, and if you follow this story, what happens in that story there is that Samuel, uh, yeah, Samuel, the prophet Samuel will say, um, ooh, ooh, look at that guy. Man, he is tall and strong and handsome and, oh, he must be the one. Right? And, and God says, no, 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 he's not the one. And God says, uh, makes a statement to Samuel that is so profound, and it is the struggle that we carry today. It's the, it's the struggle of humanity. It's the reality of who we are as human beings. It's, it's what we care, carry as, as, a, as a man and a woman in this world. And this is it. God says it this way. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Right? I mean, God just clearly says it. God doesn't see things the way we see them. We see the outward. Right? We see the outward. God sees the heart. We see the outward. What we see is the outward. Here's the struggle with all of these types of things. When I say uh, rich and satisfying life, Most people, when I would say those types of things like, hey, God came to give you a rich and satisfying life, we automatically start thinking of the outward. We start thinking that rich and satisfying begins with the right relationships. We start thinking that the the rich and satisfying uh, is translated through the right uh, possessions, the right things. The right houses, cars, influence, opportunities, right? So often we say, God came to give you a rich and satisfying life. We say, well, if I get that promotion, I'd be satisfied. So come on, Lord. Where's my promotion? You promised me a rich and satisfying life. That's the problem. Right. The problem is, same as Samuel, is we often look at the outside. We look at things like love. Well, listen, if people would stop acting a fool, I would love them more. (laughs) Right? If there wasn't so much crazy in this world, I would have more peace. You fix the crazy, you fix the peace. You know what I'm saying? That's the problem. Like, that is literally the problem. The problem is, as humanity, we we tend to look to the outward. We think outward in. God thinks inward out. See, the problem for us as human beings is, is when we read those verses, we often will attribute situations, circumstances, or things to them. Right? We'll say, uh, you know, you can go through any of those. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You pick one. And what happens so often with humanity is the same thing that Samuel did when God called him to go to Jesse's house. Is that we begin to look outward. And we think if our outward circumstances would change, these things would be more of a reality in my life. And again, that's the problem. So an encounter with God will change you from the inside out. Does God want you to live a rich and satisfying life? Yes. Does God want you to have love? Yes. Joy? Yes. Peace? Yes. Patience? Yes. Kindness? Yes. Goodness? Yes. Faithfulness? Yes. Gentleness? Yes. Self-control? Absolutely. But an encounter with God changes from the inside out, not the outside in. So here's what I want you to ponder today before we jump into Matthew chapter 5. Here's my ponder for us today. What frustrations in my life am I trying to solve From the outside in. I'm gonna give you a moment to write that down. Because I think that's a question for you to pray through. I think that's a question for you to wrestle with. I think that is a question for you to ponder. But what frustrations in my life am I trying to solve from the outside in? I'm trying to solve them. Circumstantially, I'm trying to solve what frustrations in my life, what struggles, pains in my life am I trying to solve from the outside in? That's, that's the question for us today. All right, let's jump to Matthew chapter 5. Are you ready? Let's read Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read verse 21 through 26. And when I read this, you're going to be like, why did he say all of that? Hmm. You'll find out soon enough. Uh, Matthew chapter 5, verse 21 through 26. Let's read this together. If you're using a pew Bible, it is on page 579. <clears throat> oh, man, here we go. Chapter, verse 21. Have you, you have heard that our ancestors were told you must not murder. If you commit murder, you are subject to judgment. But I say, if you are even angry with someone, you are subject to judgment. If you call someone an idiot, you are in danger of being brought before the court. And if you curse someone, you are in danger of the fires of hell. So if you are presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple, and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice there at the altar, go and be reconciled to that person, then come and offer your sacrifice to God. Then you are on the way to, or I'm sorry, when you are on the way to court with your adversary, settle your differences quickly. Otherwise, your accuser may hand you over to the judge who will hand you over to an officer and you will be thrown into prison. And if that happens, you surely won't be free again until you have paid the last penny. So a few weeks ago, when we were talking about the law and the change between Old Testament and the New Testament and the relationship that we have with God and how it has shifted. And we talked, I said a little bit that week uh, about how God has raised the bar for us. Over, not next week, but over the next few weeks over the next few sermons in the Sermon on the Mount, as we look at some of these, what we're going to hear over and over again is this phrase, you have heard, but I say, right? You have heard. What I say. Now, I want to I capture this here very, very quickly. But you have heard, you have heard, but here's what I say. Can, can I just, again, walking through some of the scripture here very, very quickly? I want you to notice something. I want you to notice that murder in the beginning is the external expression, while anger is the internal catalyst. What's really interesting here, again, we're seeing a a shift between the Old Testament and the New Testament, and the Old Testament being very behavior-focused, right? Remember the 613 laws, very behavior-focused. The shift from the Old Testament to the New Testament is less about outward behaviors, more about inward realities. So again, he says it here with this, this, uh, in this conversation about anger. Can I also tell you that this is, this is not as much about anger as it is about principle. Now, we're going to get it, but I'm going to share a couple things with this. This is about priority and sacrifice. Now, he uses anger as the illustration. I think there's some very incredible things to look at here, and I want to make sure we understand these when it talks about you're you're going to make a sacrifice, an offering, and you remember that somebody has something against you, which is to say that if you have done something to somebody that is wrong, right, which is what he said on the front end and the back end of that conversation. If you called somebody an idiot or you cursed somebody, or if somebody has something against you that could take you to courts, if you have done something, if you have wronged somebody in your life, it says, listen, just stop where you're at and go go resolve that. If you've wronged somebody, that's an important thing here. Let me Let me just show you something real quick that there's a principle here, and the principle here is that unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. Here's the principle of this story. That unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. This applies uh, in a lot of different things. Can I tell you that unsurrendered joy will lead to sin? You wanna know what unsurrendered joy will lead to sin? Cause it'll turn into to covetousness. It'll come in, it'll, it'll turn into lust. Right? So the principle here. While he uses anger, and and we can talk about this some more if we have time, um, is the principle is unsurrendered emotion will eventually lead to sin. The practice that he's teaching us here is that we need to deal with it quickly, right? Listen, unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. And the Bible's making a very specific illustration here to deal with it quickly. Don't let that thing linger. When you recognize it, when you remember it, when you identify it, whether it's anger, joy, anything, whatever that emotion is, unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. When you recognize that some emotion has gotten a little off, when I have responded wrongly or I'm Acting inappropriately, my priorities are off. When you recognize it, the Bible, the practice of the scripture here is to say, deal with it quickly. Don't wait. Don't wait. Deal with it quickly. There's an incredible thing to understand here. In our lives, unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs, to guard your heart above all else, because it will determine your future. What determines your future? Your heart, not your decisions, not your opportunities, not the open doors or the non-open doors, not the connections or the, no, no, no. You know what determines your future? Your heart. Guard your heart. Jesus is transferring the importance of behavior, which is outward, and transferring that importance to our heart, which is inward. You have heard, don't murder. Behavioral. I say, if you're even angry with somebody, heart, internal. Jesus is beginning to really challenge us on the inside. He is is challenging us to identify the things in our hearts, the internal things that need healing, the internal things that need corrected, the internal things that need realigned, the internal things that need surrendered. Because if we get that right, everything else will follow. Everything else will follow. You know, this is one of those, you guys remember at the beginning of the series, we went into Beatitudes, and I used this phrase, this is simple, but not easy. Simple, simple, but it's not easy. What I want to remind you is that an encounter with Jesus will change you from the inside out. The inside out. The inside out. As we're talking about, again, anger here, uh, to, to walk through this principle of dealing with it quickly, quickly. Ephesians chapter four, verse 26 says this is don't sin by letting anger control you. Right? Unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. Don't sin by letting anger control you. And don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. Deal with it quickly. Right, These two things here are principles to the kingdom. Is that unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. It'll, it'll, just, it'll take your heart in a place that you don't want it to be. It'll take your life to a place that you don't want it to be. Unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. And when you recognize it, when the Lord reveals it, the Bible instructs us, the practice is to deal with it quickly, okay? Now, we are human beings, and we struggle with making that a reality. Now, it's one thing to just say, yep, okay, unsurrendered emotion leads to sin. Okay, got it. Well, that is very hard to walk out in our lives, very difficult to play out. Let me give you a couple things today that will help you as human beings to begin to apply this principle into our lives. Can I just say it's easier to find Jesus when you're around people who know him? I'm going to say that again, right? I just love when pastors do that. I'm going to let that one sink in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that one again. Somebody say to your neighbor. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It is easier to find Jesus when you're around people who know him. Maybe another one, right? It's easier to follow Jesus when you're around people who encourage you toward him. It's it's little things, right? I'm going to give you three words, practices in your life that will help you in this world, right? Three words. Ready? I don't know if they're all on the same screen or on separate ones, but... I'm going to go through them very, very quickly. The first one is community. Second one is confession. The third one is consistency. Now, hold on, let me just just remind us of something. Jesus came to give life, right, a rich and satisfying life. Jesus came to give us a life, an abundant life, A life that's full of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. That's the life that God has for us to live here on Earth. And that is a beautiful picture. But to walk this out in our life takes a couple things, right? In order for us to allow God to move in our hearts and our lives, there's a few things that help us to do that. Like an encounter with God will, will change you, will transform you from the inside out. When we surrender our lives to Jesus, God will begin transforming our heart and our mind, renewing our minds. God will begin to change us and transform us. But what is the enemy's purpose? To steal Kill and destroy. So can I just be honest with you today? Is that there is an enemy to your soul. There is an enemy out there that does not want you to live a life that is rich and satisfying or abundant. There is an enemy out there that does not want you to have love fill your life. Does not have joy fill your life. Peace fill your life. Right? We go through them all. There's an enemy out there. And so what happens is we make the commitment, and God begins to do his work. It doesn't take long before the enemy comes in and begins to distract us. Misdirection. Challenge our thought process. Saying things like, oh, no, no, not for you. Lies. Lies. See, there's an enemy to our soul. So how do, how do we do this? It's, it's, it's simple, but not easy. It's those three words. Let me throw them on the screen again. Right? It is community. Community will help you to find and follow Jesus. Community will help you to keep, um, unsurrendered emotion from causing you to sin. Community will help you. It's community. It's why church is important. It's not because I want more people in the room. It's because if we're going to fulfill the purpose that God has for our lives, we need community. It's the way God wired us. We need circles of people. And can I tell you, it's easier to find Jesus when you're around people who know him. If we spend our entire lives around people who don't know Jesus, it is much more difficult to find him. I'm not saying you can't. I'm just saying it's more difficult. It is easier to follow people or follow Jesus when you're around people that encourage you to do that. It is easier for you to, 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 say, to, to follow Jesus in your life. I feel like God is wanting me to do this. What you don't need is somebody going, no, man, that sounds crazy. You don't want to do that. That's ridiculous. That is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Oh, you're right. I shouldn't do that. Right? But if you're around people that don't encourage you to follow God, they will will give you advice from a worldly perspective. But if you're around people that are encouraging you to follow him, and you say, man, I feel like this is what God's wanting me to do. Hey, listen, I'm going to pray with you on that. I'm going to pray with you about that. I'm going to join with you, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk. We're gonna, let's talk through that. Let's talk through where God is taking you. I'm going to pray with you. I'm going to believe with you. In fact, let's pray right now. Right? That makes a difference in our lives. These are principles of the kingdom. Community. Confession. Ha <laughs> huh. Yeah, when when there's a when there's a struggle in our life, can, can I can I encourage you this? Uh, when when we are tempted, when we are beginning to struggle, it is so much easier to confess that than it is to wait until it captures our heart and we've made mistakes. If you're in community, right, and you and you say, "Listen, I, I'm just struggling with this." I'm struggling with my anger. I, can I tell you a quick story? Like, you know, and I think, you know, from an anger standpoint, just me, I'm a passionate dude, right? If you know me, uh, I, am a, I am a passionate guy, right? So even for some of you, guys, and I'll say it this way, for some of you guys who are, who are even new to faith or uh, new to, you know, to this, this church body, um, like when we worship every once in a while, you'll hear somebody, you know, yell during worship. You may wonder, what was that? You know, um, it's, it's just passion. It's just passion, right? It's, it's kind of like you know um, when, when you see a phrase on the screen that has deep meaning to you, and you go, yes, yes, whoo, whoo. And some people may say, man, that seems kind of weird in church. You can do it watching a football game. Why can't you do it for Jesus? Right? Listen, you ever seen me watch the Buckeyes? Let's go. Right? I'm passionate through and through. I'm all passionate all the time. Right? It's just, it's, just, it's just the way we roll. But I, I can be passionate in church. I can be passionate for the Lord. I can be, so, so I'm a passionate guy. And so for me, in my life, whatever reasons it may be, anger has been something I've struggled with. Oh, man, I used to have a, I maybe still do sometimes, but a quick fuse. You know, I'm that guy, like, something happens, I'm like, boom, I go 0 to 90 in 3.2 seconds. You know what I'm saying? You ever been around somebody like that? You hang out with me long enough. Let's go golfing. I will show it to you. <laughs> you, <laughs> you will see it on full display. Right? But, but I, here's, here's my reality, though. I've told my family. Even recently, I'm working on this. I'm working on these things in my home. I want to have more compassion and less quick. To, you know, I'm that raise the bar guy, right? So, and if you fall below the bar, I'm gonna let you know, right? <laughs> you guys are like, man, I'm glad he's not my dad, <laughs> you know? <laughs> but, but I'm just that guy, right? And so there have been moments when, when man, I've, I've had, I've had moments. I think I've told you them here before. Uh, Tim Wollenslegel has fixed one of my moments in my house. Oh, that's all good. Confession's good for the soul. Tim's <laughs> like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell that story, but there was a hole in my wall about the size of my hand. So here's what I'm just, I'm just telling you. So, this is something I've wrestled with. So listen, let me just tell the story, right? Let me tell the story. You're going to love this. I like, I like opening up the world of the grown home uh, for you guys. And so uh, I will not tell you any names, so do not ask. But last night, right? I love how God just, you know, he's like, ooh, I'm going to test you. Last night, Levi had some friends over. And they're in the uh, game room. They're playing games. I walk in. They're playing Wii. They brought out the old Wii, right? So there's a bunch of teenagers in there. They're playing Wii. They're playing tennis. They're playing all these games. Mandy and I are out watching TV in the living room. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing better than just hearing kids laugh. And I mean, it's just it's just beautiful, right? It is so therapeutic to just sit here and listen to kids, you know, play games and laugh and have fun. It's just fantastic. So they're in there. They're having fun. They're playing and then we heard this sound where it sounded kind of like this. <clears throat> maybe not that loud, but it sounded like that. And then it got quiet, like super quiet. And Mandy looked at me, and she said, something happened. And I said, I believe you're right. So I got up off the couch. I walked in the room. And here's, I don't know how many kids were in the room. That's maybe Five. Kids in the room, silence. Only to look at the TV that is only now half working. <laughs> the other half has lines, and in the corner, you can see, so there was a kid up the bat, and he, Oh, uh, no, we didn't have the straps on our remotes, you know what I mean? Um, so... So let me, let me just show you. Let me, here's, so I walk in the room, and, and immediately, I'm like, oh, yeah, Levi's got pictures. If you want to see it, he's got pictures. He's showing you sit in the front row, you get to see the pictures. That's all there is to it. Move, move up. Anyways, and uh, no, I'm kidding. But but um, I walk in, and I laugh a little bit. And here's this kid. Could you imagine what some, can I just tell you, that's the first time he's ever been in my house? Could you imagine When that thing hit the TV and lines filled up half the TV, what went through his heart? (laughs) Now, people tell me this all the time. I don't believe it. But I'm a big dude. I'm loud. I'm intimidating. And I walk in the room. (laughs) What happened? And the TV's busted. And I laughed a little bit. And the kid says, I am so sorry. And I said, listen, don't worry about it. This stuff happens. It's life. It's all good. Don't worry about it. And we laughed about it. And even after that, I'm like, hey, who wants flurries? Mandy's making flurries. And one of the kids goes, I've never been to a house where you break a TV, and you're rewarded with flurries. <laughs> and I'm like, welcome to the groats. You know what I mean? Like, <clears throat> I'm gonna have the worship team come on up as I finish this story, but, but can I just tell you that what overwhelmed my heart in that moment had nothing to do with the television. It had to do with empathy for a young man who made an innocent mistake and was, you could tell he was carrying it. And immediately I just felt heartbroken for him. I don't know how many times before he left. Again, I'm so sorry about the television. I'm like, buddy, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's okay. Let it go. It's done. I'm not worried about it. So here's, here's what I'm saying that the Lord is working in my life. Like, I look back at it now and I'm like, how in the world did I not go? What in the world happened in here? Why didn't you have the straps on the remote? <laughs> Levi, that is your responsibility. Now, I wouldn't have did that in front of his friends, but after his friends left, I'd have been like, bro, <laughs> sit down. <laughs> Guess what you're paying for? Why <laughs> didn't even think of that? I, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, 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 no. I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Can, can I tell you that community, confession, right, me being open about that. Community, confession. And then the last word was consistency. Consistency in our lives. Consistency. Having those conversations with our kids. It's just a thing I've been working through. So I tell them, just trying to get better. I'm trying to be better, a better. I want to be a dad, not a coach, right? So when we watch basketball, I'm trying to be better. I'm trying to be more of a dad, less of a coach. Right, that's welcome to my life, right? If you wanted a perfect pastor, you're in the wrong church. I'm broken. But you know what, one foot in front of the other, one day at a time. The, the life that God gives us is rich and satisfying and love and joy and peace and patience and, and all that. And I can honestly tell you that that's working in my life, right? Why? Because, because I get it. Because unsurrendered emotion will lead to sin. And I don't want anything that's gonna take me away from Jesus, whether it be anger, or anything and so community is important confession is important consistency is important right like you never you ever realize when you struggle it's when you drift you know I go to church once I go to church every week then I go to church twice a week Then I go to church once a week I go to church once every two months you know what happens when that happens You're in the drift and these realities become more and more difficult in our life. How about how about I used to pray every day, and now I pray every three days. I used to read my Bible every day, and now I read my Bible once a week. In fact, we make it super easy for you. Inside the bulletin, there is prayers for you. Just grab that piece of paper, and every day read that scripture and pray that prayer. We we hand it to you. You can you can spend time with God every day, and we hand it to you. Why do we do that? Because this matters. Consistency matters. Unresolved emotion will lead to sin. Unsurrendered lives will lead to heartache. And Jesus made a way for us. We don't have to live that way. You know, if our ushers get ready, if you don't have your communion elements, we're going to take communion here in a moment. don't have any you can raise your hand and they'll pass them out to you but the reality is that jesus made a way for us we can't do enough to gain it we can't figure it's not about that it's about allowing jesus to transform us from the inside out and and he made a way through the cross jesus did everything for us we just have to surrender we just have to follow Right? And it's because of the cross. So when we take communion, we do this in remembrance of what Jesus did for us on the cross as a reminder, but also as an opportunity for us to praise him, to thank him. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 29, it says this, for I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. And on the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people. An agreement confirmed with my blood do this to remember me as often as you drink it for every time you eat this bread and drink this cup you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again you're announcing the Lord's death until he comes again you are proclaiming that Jesus made a way for us that because of the cross we can have a rich and satisfying life because of the cross we can live in love joy peace patience Kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, goodness. Because of the cross, we proclaim it because of what Jesus did. Because of that, because of our decision to say, God, I need you in my life. I have decided from this point forward to follow you with my life. When we surrender our heart and our life to him, he comes into our life. He forgives us of our wrongs. He makes a way for us to have relationship with him. We are forgiven. We are made whole. And through this process of sanctification and finding and following him, the cross communion is about declaring what Jesus did for us. I will say in Corinthians, it also says, so anyone who eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. That is why you should examine yourself before eating the bread and drinking the cup. For if you eat the bread and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. Which, here's what that means for us today. It means where's your heart? Before we take communion, we proclaim that he died on the cross for us. So if your heart is that I believe that Jesus died on the cross for me and I need him to come into my life, come into my heart, help me to live for him, come into my life to forgive me of my wrongs, my faults, my failures, my inconsistencies, the inadequacies, the mistakes of my life, the sin, to forgive me and help me to be more like him. If that's your heart, good. If it's not, I would encourage you to hold off on me. Or take a moment right now and say, Lord, I need you in my life. In fact, let's do that. Let's take the emblems in your own way. Take a moment. Say, God, I need you in my life. In fact, here's the prayer. The prayer for this week. I want you to pray, Lord, help me to see you and help me to hear you. I surrender all to you, transform my heart and mind, change me from within to be more like you. Pray that prayer. Let's take the emblem of his broken body. Jesus, beaten and bruised, took the weight of our mistakes, lived a perfect, sinless life, and took our mistakes, took the punishment for us, so that we could be set free, so that we could be made whole, so that we could be forgiven. He took the punishment. He took our punishment for us. So as we prepare to take this emblem of the broken body, I want to pray for you. Just pray with me. Father, today, help me to always remember that you did it for me. Help me to love you the way you love me. Help me to know you the way you know me. Thank you, Lord, for this emblem that represents what you did for us, the punishment that you took for us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's eat that, emblem. of the shed blood. You know, the Old Testament tells us that there is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. Sacrifice, Jesus was the final sacrifice for us. He gave his life for the forgiveness of our sins. He shed his blood so that we can be forgiven. Why is that important for us? It's because God is holy and we are not. And so when we are cleansed by his forgiveness, because of the shedding of his blood, when we are cleansed, we are made holy. We are made righteous. We are made right in his eyes. And so because of that, we can enter into relationship with God because of the sacrifice of the cross. Because of his shed blood, our sins are forgiven. And we are forgiven. And we are made whole. And because of that, we we have relationship with God every moment of every day. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the emblem of your shed blood. God, forgive us today. Forgive us for the unsurrendered emotions of our life. Help us, Lord, to live the life that that you came to give us and changes from the inside. Change us from the inside, Lord. God, have your way in us. Forgive us today. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I encourage you today as we stand. And uh, let's go ahead and stand and, and get ready to close in worship. I'll come up and pray here in a moment. But I want that to be your prayer this morning. In fact, if you remember a couple weeks ago, I read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 21 through 24. I'll read it to you again. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Listen to this. Instead, let the Spirit Renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be, like God, truly righteous and holy. Lord, change us from within. Help me to see you. Help me to hear you. Help me to know you. That's our prayer as we close. As we close the worship, and then I'll come up we close the service in a moment. But as we sing, let that be your prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, for each one of us, change us from within. Change us from within. Have your way in our hearts, in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that God spoke to you through today's message. If you want to know more about Faith Church, text CONNECT to 419-664-4555. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Thanks for listening, and may you find and follow Jesus in all you do.